morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. As you'll tell by my dulcet tones, I am not Aaron Flanagan. He's in Manchester trying to teach Pep Guardiola the difference between a mitre football and a Premier League football. Um, I'm Alex Richards and with me today I've got Liam Prenderville again and James Whaling to discuss the Carabao Cup, managers getting sacked and not getting sacked and um, this weekend's action. Guys, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. All good, mate, all good. So, we'll start with midweek action. Liam, you were at Stamford Bridge last night. Everton, new era, David Unsworth in charge. How was that? Uh, it was better. Uh, there was a, a lot of positives to take from it. The first half seemed to be sort of continue where they left off on, on Sunday, really. I think Unsworth got into a room at the break and they were a lot better second half. They were a better team. Uh, they had a couple of chances. Rooney went close. Luckman hit the bar. And you, they looked like they were going to go on and at least take it to extra time. Chelsea got the second game over from there but I think there's a few positives to take from it and something to build on going forward yeah absolutely what, what was his team like because obviously Koeman signed the likes of Sigurdsson class and Rooney and has been trying to fit all them in did Unsworth go with something similar or did he have his own ideas he well, a couple of a couple of fringe players came in Aaron Lennon came in Morales got a start James McCarthy a young lad in midfield I, mean, I might pronounce this wrong Benny Baningami I think he was excellent uh, did really really well Someone that Unsworth knows from his under-23s came in. Uh, one crunching tackle on uh, Ethan Ampadu that really got, sort of like set the ball rolling for the second half. I think we've all seen that tackle yeah. social media. Belter. I mean, you don't get away with those these days, but I think fantastic tackle. And I think he, he'll put himself in the frame going forward. He might. Listen, he probably won't be involved at the weekend, but he's someone to consider because Everton's midfield has not been very good this season at all. OK. So Unsworth will meet with the chairman and the owner on Friday. I believe so. Do yeah. we think he will... Mm-hmm get the job or he's in line for the job now I think he's in contention I think by the sounds of it he's going to get a run of games probably until the international break he deserves it and there's no outstanding candidates like we said earlier this week you look at the shortlist and the odds list and there's no one that you really think you can see becoming the next Everton manager in the short term so I think he will get a decent crack at it yeah so manager odds for Everton job Unsworth is 2-1 to one to have it then you've got Sean Dyche at 11-4 to swap Burnley for Goodison Park. Marco Silva 5-1 to to do the same, leaving Watford to join Everton. Thomas Tuchel 7-2, Sam Allardyce 6-1, Carlo Ancelotti 10-1. Any, any there that you'd prefer to see or do you think Unsworth? I, th- I, I, mean, I think Marco Silva would be excellent, but I mean you can't see him leaving Watford now at this stage of the season. They're absolutely flying. And if he, if he was to, and even in the summer, it'd be three jobs in three seasons. Can't really see that happening, but he's probably the candidate that I'd be most excited about. Yeah, I think Marco Silva. I'm with him. I think that would be a brilliant appointment. Um, I'm not sure that he would turn down the opportunity if it arose. Um, I think in the long term, you know, Watford have had a fantastic start, as you alluded to there. But I think in the long term, Everton is still a much more attractive proposition. Um, for a manager, especially of, of his credentials, uh, the way he likes to play football as well, um, and I think he would find it difficult to turn down that opportunity should it arise. But you know, I'm pleased David Unsworth uh, is going to get a run. Okay. So contrast to Everton, West Ham, Slaven Bilic under increasing pressure after their home defeat to Brighton last week, and um, I think it's fair to say that Wembley on Wednesday night he looked a. Um, beaten man on the touchline at half-time with them 2-0 down against Spurs um, but 45 minutes later 3-2 winners a reprieve 
I don't think anyone saw that coming. I don't think anyone saw it coming before the game, and even fewer people saw it coming at half time. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know whether Tottenham just went into cruise control or what, but you know that second half, West Ham really rolled the sleeves up, and I think for the first time in quite a few weeks, they looked like they were playing for Slavin Bilic. I don't know what happened at half time in that dressing room whether Bilic has read them the right acts and said, "Look, boys, if you if you don't put performance in in this second half, I'm a goner." Because it it would have been difficult to see Slavin Bilic staying in that job if West Ham would have turned in the performance in the second half that they did in the first half. Um, but full credit to to his players, um, Andre Ayew taking his two goals very well, and then Angelo Albona getting the winner. Cue obviously jubilant scenes, and and like you say, Slavin Bilic gets a reprieve that if they'd lost that game, I don't think he would have had. I thought it was interesting that after the game, Mark Noble came out. And spoke, and he said that the players are very much behind Billich. Um, he insisted that the pressure on the manager is coming from. He said outside. Um, now, obviously, in the press, there's talk that Billich is under pressure, um, but that's the sort of thing that's getting feed, fed out. Do we think the pressure will is still coming from above, or do we think that this has bought him that little bit of extra time that he needs, and now he can put that team on a forward path? I mean, David Sullivan was came out before the Brighton game, didn't he, and said, sort of, we'll review it at the end of the season. That's, that would suggest that he's not under any immediate pressure. Obviously, they got absolutely spanked last week, didn't they, by Brighton, newly promoted team. Uh, I mean, listen, it's one result. If he is under pressure, then that's not going to change too much, I don't think. But saying that, from what David Sullivan said, he might, he might be OK for a short while, yeah. I think he's still bang under pressure, don't get me wrong, but... If Tottenham would have gone and scored another couple of goals in the second half last True. night, as they did in the first, I think I, I don't see how we could have possibly come back from that at the home of West Ham's, the temporary home as West, of West Ham's biggest rivals. David Sullivan coming out and saying, we'll review it at the end of the season. As much as I'd love to believe that, if West Ham go and get five or six points cut adrift, they ain't going to review it at the end of the season. He's going to be out. So, like I said, still bang under pressure, still needs a result at the weekend. Um, but it's bought him a bit of time, I think. He's still um, out in front in terms of the next manager to leave his position. He's two to one on that respect. Um, as we said, Marco Silva three to one to be the next manager to move on from Watford. I think that's due to the Everton links. Um, West Ham at Crystal Palace this weekend. Palace embarrassed in the League Cup, um, beaten four one by Bristol City. Bristol City the only football league side to go through. Um, what happened there? Because Palace obviously beat Chelsea last weekend. Really good result, looked like a turning point. Will Sahar was back, and then it's just back to what was. Yeah, well, I mean, they got beat at Newcastle, didn't they, as well, and, and again, failed to score. Um, they scored a couple of goals against Chelsea, one of which was an own goal, but those sort of frailties in front of goal um, bore themselves again in the northeast, and they got hit with a sucker punch later on. Um, you know, let's not pretend that the League Cup is any kind of priority for Crystal Palace at this time in, in the situation they're in in the Premier League but it is as I say an embarrassing result um, Bristol City have been mighty impressive in the Championship for the most part of this season they got beat 3-0 by Leeds last week but that was very much um, an anomaly in terms of their results so far this season they've got a very bright young manager in Lee Johnson who's doing a, a brilliant job and you know he's getting a tune out of them and, and they were fantastic against Palace um, that is a huge game for both teams this weekend. If Palace have any kind of hopes 
to get out of the bottom three, preserve their Premier League status, West Ham at home is a game they absolutely must win. On the flip side, Slavin Bilic will be looking at that and saying, we're going to a team that's scored in only one game in the Premier League so far this season. They've lost a lot apart from that one game um, against Chelsea. If I have any hopes of, of keeping my position, then I probably need to go and get three points there. So a really intriguing fixture, I think. Okay, so Palace thirteen to ten to get a home win this weekend. West Ham nine to four, um, just over two to one for the draw. Prediction, Liam? Probably a low scoring draw, I think. Yeah, I think I'm sitting on the fence as well. Two pretty bad football yeah. teams, I think we'd have to say. Palace just don't. I mean, they've yeah, they got a couple against Chelsea, didn't they? I think they rose to the occasion, but that sort of game it's going to be turgid football, isn't it? And I don't think there's going to be much in it. Nil nil, one all. Okay. Um, to go on the flip side of that result, obviously Spurs two nil at half time. Sunk in the second half. Um, Mauricio Pochettino, in the build-up to the game, spoken how the League Cup wasn't a priority for him. Um, he is very much focused on a Premier League title push and getting as, as deep into the Champions League as they can. They go to Manchester United on Saturday. Um, if he wants to be a Premier League title winner, do we think this is the sort of game, bearing in mind United's performance at Huddersfield last week, Obviously, they won at Swansea on Tuesday night. Um, do we think this is the sort of game Pochettino needs to go and his side need to win? I, I don't think needs to win. I think they need something. I think they need a bit of a positive performance. There's no point in Spurs going there and trying to sort of like sit back and you know, not play. You know, they've got to go there and play the normal way. Uh, a few years, like recent years. They've gone to Old Trafford and just not turned up. You know, last season I think Mkhitaryan scored one 0 and that was it. Season before might have been the same score. They've just got to go and play the normal football. And yeah, if they can get a result, a, a draw, a win, then you'll be looking at that and thinking they can really go on and go for the title. I think when when Spurs went to Real Madrid, we spoke of it of being an acid test of their European credentials in terms of going deep in the Champions League. And I think exactly the same. If Spurs harbour hopes of winning the Premier League. They have to go to Old Trafford, as Liam said, deliver a performance. For me, I'd, I'd, it would be such a big statement if they went there and got the three points. If Tottenham went to Old Trafford and won, for me, they would they would become second favourites in the title race. Whereas anything other than I still think people lean on the side of Manchester United in that respect. So is it necessarily about Spurs getting three points this weekend? Or would a, a good performance do? But If they were to, lo- if they were to lose 1-0, say, but they had completely outplayed United and it had been pinched... Or if they drew one one apiece, would a very good Spurs performance? I think they need a positive result. Mm. If they lose the game, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter how you play. But if they were to go there, play well, and come away with a draw, be the better team, um, I think Tottenham fans would look at that and think that's that's a job well done. But this game is by no means beyond Tottenham in terms of picking up all three points. And especially after the way they dispatched Liverpool last week. I, exactly. We know that the, the talent they've got, um, they've got probably the best centre forward in the league, one of the best centre forwards in Europe on form, um, who, you know, he didn't play midweek. So they've, he'll be fresh, they've got him back. It'd be fascinating to see, actually, compare his performance to that of Romelu Lukaku on the weekend. Is, is Harry Kane fully fit? Um, I think, well, I think Pochettino said after last week. Um, when he went off late in the game against Liverpool, he was insistent that it was it was just a fatigue issue, um, and he hinted straight away that he wouldn't be in the squad for midweek to rest him up. So I think from that we have to assume 
he is fully fit. I fully expect him to start, and I think we'll see within the first 15 or 20 minutes whether he's carrying anything. So, it'll be Harry Kane up front if he's fit, we assume. How does he go alongside him? Does he go with Fernando Llorente? Does he go with Son? Do we see Deli Ali and Christian Eriksen playing further forward again? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see Son playing. I think he's he's got a very good record of scoring in the big games. I know he scored against Liverpool last week, and they played very well. Uh, I think. I think they'll play three of them. I think Ali Eriksen and Son will all play in behind Kane. I think they'll just go for it. I think that's the only way they can do. I think Son's a very handy player away from home as well, especially in these big games. Um, you know, if Kane can hold that ball, get Son flying past him. He's gonna, he's gonna frighten the wife. He's excellent on the break. Sort of like raced past Milner last yeah, week for his exactly. goal. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm with Liam. I think he probably will play Son. And what about United? Um, got back to winning ways with largely a second string side in midweek at Swansea. After that horrible, horrible performance at Huddersfield, um, a lot had been made of a Manchester double this season, but it was out of them and City. Is it? No, well, as I say, I think you know if, if if Tottenham go there and win, then they would become that second favourite team. Um, United, I'm not sure what sort of performance they're going to turn in, which isn't a great thing to be saying about them because. If Tottenham were playing Manchester City this weekend, I think we'd all be sat here thinking, for Tottenham to get something, City are going to have to be off their game, which we're not expecting, the way they're playing at the minute. Um, but United, they turn in that performance at Huddersfield, and it, a few doubts have kind of crept in. Um, they were impressive, actually, at Swansea midweek, but they didn't make a lot of changes. Um, they've been brilliant at home so far. I think you'd have to say... You'd have to back them to continue that form that they've shown at home so far. But at the same time, Tottenham will be looking to that Huddersfield game and saying, we can get at these. You get at these, they're, they're beatable. So what do we think Jose Mourinho is going to do in terms of his forward line? Obviously, Romelu Lukaku will play. Um, questions have started to be asked of Henrik Mkhitaryan's output in recent weeks, Juan Mata's output. And then there's been that battle down the left side of Marcus Rashford, who has been preferred, and Anthony Martial. Marshall started at Huddersfield, was hauled off at half-time. Uh, Rashford came on and scored and had a bit of an impact in the game and he had an impact at Swansea in midweek playing as the centre-forward. Do we think it'll be Lukaku with Rashford on the left and who else gets the nod? I wouldn't be surprised if he went with a back three and match Spurs. I know he did it in midweek and Twanzebe was playing in there and Lindelof was playing in there. I don't think either of them will, will start at the weekend, but I think to counter Spurs like that, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Rashford in with Lukaku and with, with wing-backs probably Valencia and maybe Ashley Young Phil Jones is fit as well yeah, so, so he could slot back in it's interesting it's something he did in pre-season against Manchester City and he had Rashford and Lukaku playing as a pair and they tore City to pieces it was only a pre-season friendly they won 2-0 but they were excellent as a partnership and we haven't seen that since um, so we, do we think that's their best way of getting at this Spurs side because Spurs defence has largely been excellent with Sanchez in between Alderweireld and Vertonghen. I think I think they, they can be got out, and I do think that might be Mourinho's best way. I think this weekend for him, the most important thing will be getting three points. If they lose that game, they lose more ground on City. They, they even a draw at home against one of your rivals, it won't be seen as a positive result for Mourinho. I think Spurs can be got out as strong as they are defensively. If you've got Lukaku and Rashford, if they're on song, then they. They are very, very hard to stop. 
So United 11 to 10 to win in the early kickoff on Saturday. Spurs 5 to 2, the draw 23 to 10. Um, in terms of first goal scorer, Romelu Lukaku 3 to 1, Harry Kane 7 to 2. Which one do you prefer? I think Kane. Yeah, the form is in. Um, Lukaku's gone through a bit of a dry patch by his standards. Um, Kane's slightly bigger price there, so I'd be leaning towards him. And I actually think Tottenham are a pretty good price there, sort of two and a half pounds for every pound you put on. So, yeah, I think I think I'd be leaning towards Spurs with those prices. Okay, that wraps up Spurs and Man United nicely. Arsenal, their AGM today. Um, some interesting comments coming out of that. A come-from-behind win against Norwich in midweek, thanks to an 18-year-old that I'd never heard of before. I don't think anyone has. No. <laughs> um, they play Swansea at the Emirates on Saturday in a three o'clock kickoff. It's got to be a home win. Home win, right? I think so. I mean, I don't think the result the other night had will have too much bearing, but it's a case of the the, the ball still rolling, the winning games. You know, if they'd lost, regardless of who was on the pitch, they're still out of a cup competition. It's still a chance of a trophy that's gone. So I think winning that game will so that keeps the momentum going. Swansea looked they looked awful the other night. They're playing with so little confidence. Obviously Leicester went there and won last week. They you can't see them going to the Emirates and getting anything whatsoever. And especially with Meza Ozil, Alexis Sanchez and Alexander Lacazette finally playing together, tore Everton to pieces last week, five goals. Ozil was outstanding. Yeah, I think um Arsene Wenger said in his press conference today, um, he was asked whether Mesut Ozil's back to his best and he was very emphatic in his answer that yes he is um, he he intimated that he sort of denounced any questions of Mesut Ozil's um, commitment to the cause the, the suggestion is that he kind of down tools just waiting for a, a free transfer in the summer and that his performance at Everton was absolutely the, the example of that um, as you say, playing with Sanchez and Lacazette, why is it taking so long? Nobody knows. But it was mouth-watering for Arsenal fans to see that at Everton. They scored five goals. They could quite conceivably have had seven or eight. Um, and, yeah, I think you know they made a lot of changes in midweek, got the job done. But I think following on from that Everton game, sort of discounting the Norwich game, um, Arsenal fans <clears throat> will be looking for their side to, to follow on where they left off, basically, at Goodison Park. Uh, Liam, I know Ozil had a knee injury that kept him out of a couple of Germany squads. Um, he created more chances in that game against Everton than any player he's created in a Premier League game so far this season. And of course, this is the start of the season where Kevin De Bruyne has looked a shoe in for Football of the Year and been absolutely outstanding. Um, Ozil, Lacazette, Sanchez as a front three. Swansea's defence concede goals. Mm. Paul Clement has tried various different systems. He's tried various personnel. He can't stop them conceding. There's a reason Arsenal are five to one on to win this weekend. You've got to be thinking they're going to be cruising this. You'd like to think so, but you know Swansea—they've done all right at the Emirates over the years. I can't see them getting anything this weekend. But you know they set up defensively, and Arsenal become frustrated, and you just never know. If Arsenal get an early goal like they did. Well, they didn't do it at Everton, but when they equalised against Everton, and then straight away they were level again, and you thought they were going to go on and win this game. They get an early goal, Swansea's heads go down. I think it could be three or four. I do. Swansea relegation candidates. Absolutely. Definitely. The, the start they've had, um, they don't inspire you with any sort of confidence, really. Um, I think there was quite a bit of excitement around the club 
when they signed Renato Sanchez late in the window. Um, it's not quite gone to plan. Um, he he looks he looks like in, in the games he has played, um, he hasn't he hasn't taken to the Premier League. He looks like, like, he looks like a little boy lost. Yeah, he hasn't. You know, he's a bit like a rabbit in the headlights a little bit. Um, so I think they were expecting pinning their hopes on him a little bit too much, maybe. So yeah, definitely worry for them. So the second time, same time, I should say, as those that game. Manchester City have the second part of their Black Country double this week. They're at West Brom. Um, City scraping past Wolves on penalties in midweek. Um, actually, watch that game, and Wolves had three truly guilt-edged chances. We're talking one-on-one with Claudio Bravo, a man who we know doesn't make saves. And, um, doesn't like using his hands. And he stopped everyone. He then saved two penalties in the shootout. Pep Guardiola comes off the pitch and he's moaning about the quality of the ball. That's why his strike force of Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus couldn't find the net. We don't see them having similar problems at the Hawthorns this week, do we? No, I don't think so. I mean, it was interesting Guardiola came out and blamed the ball and uh, Yaya Torre then came out and said that we underestimated Wolves, which the scoreline would suggest that, given how City have played this season. West Brom haven't really got going. Uh, they like like Swansea. I think their fans were quite excited towards the end of the window. Brought Krikoviak in from PSG. Gareth Barry arrived, but they've just not really they've not really got anywhere. And I think a lot of people after last season thought they could be the ones to sort of challenge the top seven, if you like. After obviously Everton doing well, but they've had a difficult start. And I think if City go there and click into gear early doors, then I think they'll have far too much for West Brom. They um, were beaten one 0 at Southampton last week. Uh, Sofiane Buffal beating about five men with a major run from his own half and finding the bottom corner. I was very disappointed with how little West Brom created. I know Southampton have got a decent defence, kept a decent number of clean sheets so far, I think four in their nine games. Um, can West Brom test this City defence, which we all assume is City's Achilles heel? I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I think... They went to Southampton and, like you said, they didn't create a lot, but I think they were perfectly happy to go there and, and take a point home. Um, look, they're going to be trying to do similar here. You know, it, They'll set up very defensively. They'll try and catch City on the break if they can. They're not a side blessed with pace by any means, um, but I think that will be their tactic. Just going back to Manchester City, I think we sort of <clears throat> touched on other teams' results in in the Carabao Cup and sort of suggested they might not be as relevant, Arsenal making a lot of changes. I think for City, they do actually need another performance against West Brom because they, there were a lot of first-team players played, as you say, Aguero and Jesus both starting. They'll probably both start again at the weekend and having played 90 minutes alongside each other and not scored is quite unbelievable. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that would happen against any team in the Premier League, let alone one from the division below. So while City have been fantastic in the league this season, I think I think it's a game they need to go and, and put on put on a performance and prove that, that that game against Wolves was a bit of a an anomaly, if you like. Okay. West Brom nine to one at home, five to one the draw, City four to one on. Not tempted by a West Brom win or a draw perhaps? Oh, might be worth a quid or two. But I can't say I don't think so. No, I think City will keep the ball rolling. Yeah, City for me. Okay, City, of course, 2-1 winners at the Hawthorns in the League Cup earlier this season. Um, Liverpool, the Bill Shankly derby, they host Huddersfield this week. Um, Jurgen Klopp, more questions than answers yet again after the humiliation of 
their 4-1 thrashing by Spurs. Huddersfield come into it on the back of their win over United, so they won't go to Anfield with any fear. Uh, David Wagner and Jurgen Klopp, good friends. You have to assume Liverpool win this game, but you can't assume with Liverpool anymore, can you? Well, I mean, it, something's not quite right there, is it? It, it doesn't... You know, Liverpool fans on social media and the like are clearly not really happy with how things are going at the minute. Um, they were tore apart at Tottenham and I think the worst thing was no one was entirely surprised by it. Diane Lovren looks to have gone back to the Diane Lovren he was in his first season at Anfield. Um, he was he was obviously at fault for a couple of goals. And, and hauled off after half yeah, an hour. Yeah, and, 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 and hooked. Um, and worryingly for Liverpool at the other end, um, the chances weren't coming as thick and fast as they were at the start of the season. So, you know, those two things married together, when you come up against the top teams, you're going to end up on the wrong side of a beating. Um, it is a game they should win. They do still have plentiful firepower. Um, with Mo Salah, who continued his good form with a goal at Tottenham, in, even though it was a drubbing, you'd expect him to get the result. But as you say, Huddersfield will go there without fear. David Wagner, um, good friends with Jurgen Klopp, worked with him at Borussia Dortmund, knows the way he operates. And I can't see Huddersfield going there and sort of sitting on the nil-nil. I think they're going to go there. They're going to try and score a goal. Uh, they're going to try and win. So the word, the word from Liverpool is that Klopp's idea now for his defence, his under-fire defence, is to make changes. Um, a lot seems to be placed on Joe Gomez, that he will be moved into centre-half alongside Joel Matip this weekend. Alberto Moreno continues to play at left-back. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold... If Gomez is playing centre-half, you would assume we'll get a nod at right-back. What do we make of Liverpool in terms of those full-backs? Moreno, so long, you can say the same thing over and over again about him. He can't defend, but he's good going forwards. Is it time for James Milner to go back there? He played there all last season and was pretty solid. Um, Andy Robertson, signed from Hull, has barely had a look in. What do we think? Do we think Klopp needs to make those changes in that area? I'm not sure what Moreno was doing in pre-season to suddenly be straight back in the team. He was nowhere near, was he, last year? And Milner was doing very well at left-back. And then he sort of thought, well, we'll give Moreno another chance. to know he's an out-and-out left-back, but I don't think Liverpool had these kind of problems when Milner was playing. His defence, he's just got no sort of defensive awareness, I don't think. He never seems to really be switched on about what he's meant to be doing in that position. I think... I think Milner could come back in and do a good job but I think Robertson deserves a crack he thought he was one of the Hull's better players last year when they went down he seems to do do pretty well when Scotland are playing as well so I'd like to see him giving it a go I think he, I think he can't make it worse can he? I think just, just the names you ran through there if you'd have said to Liverpool fans at the end of last season that this was the debate we were going to be having whether whether bringing Joe Gomez in That's at centre-half is the answer to the, to the, to the problem I mean it's ludicrous Liverpool fans knew at the end of last season Jurgen Klopp knew at the end of last season what he needed to go and do and he didn't do it and similarly with Everton not replacing Lukaku I think this is why Liverpool were struggling they didn't address the situation they needed to in the summer they tried to get Virgil van Dijk it didn't go the way they wanted to and they had no plan B they're in desperate need of a defender and not just a centre-half as you say I mean why they haven't gone and got a left-back no, that's not Andy Robertson with all due respect God only knows and that's where the problems are lying. I think. Currently ninth in the Premier League, um, 14 of the 20 sides have conceded less than Liverpool. 
and yet they are two to eleven to win at home this weekend. Huddersfield eleven to one on the road. That's tempting. It is. It is. Given given the way Liverpool are playing, given the relationship David Wagner has with Jurgen Klopp, tempting. Elsewhere, Bournemouth starting to click under Eddie Howe again. It seems a really good win in midweek in the cup. They host Chelsea themselves, winners against Everton. This is a game you expect the champions to go and win. But then they lost to Crystal Palace the other week when you expected them to win. Do we think Chelsea can be contenders? I think they'll be contenders. I mean, you can't really ever write the defending champions off. And uh, the problem is with Chelsea at the moment, you just don't know what you're going to get. You know, one week they're excellent, the next, like against Watford, they were poor really for a large part of that game. I know they went on and won it, largely thanks to a sort of late cameo from Batshuayi. They've got to go to Bournemouth and win. It's as simple as that. And I do, if they lose this one this weekend, there's, I don't think they'll be anywhere near City. What do we make of Antonio Conte and his situation? Because he's 14 to 1, fifth favourite to be the next manager in the Premier League to leave his post. Um, for much of that Watford game, he seemingly sat pretty nonplussed. Um, usually you see him on the touchline throwing his arms around, arguing with officials, pointing out every little thing to his players. That didn't happen for large spells against Watford until he's diving in the crowd when they're going three to ahead. I think that shows that, you know, he, as much as he comes out in the media and he's insistent that he's different to all the other Chelsea managers that have gone before, in that, you know, Roman Abramovich has calmed over time, he sees the long term project and that he's under no kind of pressure. I think we saw exactly the kind of pressure Antonio Conte is under to deliver results when Chelsea came from behind, got in front, and he's diving in the crowd against Watford. You know, this this is a man who knows that more than any other club in the country, if you don't get results at Chelsea, you're going to be out of a job. We've seen it time and again. Managers go there, they win the league, they struggle in the second season, they get the boot, Gus Hiddink comes in for six months, everything's rosy again, get another manager in, rinse and repeat. As we say, Conte's insistent that isn't the case, but again, if they go to Bournemouth, they lose the game. You know, That 14-1's getting hacked. Big boost for the Cherries. Um, Callum Wilson back, scored in midweek. Um, he's had two very serious knee injuries, but he has, when he's been fit and played for Bournemouth, he he offers Eddie Howe a focal point. But I don't think they have found from others who they have tried: Benikafobi, Jermaine Defoe. Um, Josh King's goals have dried up somewhat this season. Do we feel that Wilson and King together will get the Cherries? back up the league I think he's a good player Callum Wilson I think he, he's and like I say when he's played in the Premier League he's done well be interesting to see how he does recover from these injuries you know we saw at Southampton Jay Rodriguez was flying wasn't he on the verge of the England squad seemed to be a contender for the World Cup and he had two maybe even three very serious injuries and he's come back at West Brom he's looked he's, looked, he's getting back to full fitness but he's not the player he was and uh, there is a worry with Wilson that it, that will be the same case there I think he's like I say him and King they'll score goals are they the players that are going to fire Bournemouth to Europe no are they going to keep them up I think they've got every chance it's been a problem for Bournemouth goal scoring this season so that'll be interesting to watch 3 o'clock Watford v Stoke Mark Hughes he's fourth favourite as the next Premier League manager out 8-1 to one. Um, they're just a Jekyll and Hyde side aren't they 
Yeah, uh, I think worryingly though for Stoke, it seems to be more hyped than Jekyll at the minute. Um, I was really surprised. Which one was a good one out of those two? I actually don't uh, know. Jekyll. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Any, any, anyway, <laughs> anyway, back to your point. Uh, yeah, I think I was really surprised by the way they rolled over at home to Bournemouth. Um, a Bournemouth side that, as you say, hadn't pulled up many trees um, as the season had gone on. Struggled with goals, you know, big outlay on Jermaine Defoe. Um, hadn't quite returned that yet. Um, but, yeah, Stoke kind of sort of rolled over and had the bellies tickled a little bit by Bournemouth, which is a very unstoke-like trait. Um, so they need a reaction, and if they don't get it again, Mark Hughes would be under pressure. And, of course, was spanked by Manchester City the previous week. Watford... He's doing a cracking job, isn't he, Marco Silva? It'd be a real shame if he did pitch up at Everton for the Hornets. Not for Everton fans, I don't think it would be. But, yeah, I think Watford are the standout team for me this so far this season, other than, obviously, City and probably Spurs. But he's doing a great job there. And it shows, really, that, you know, changing managers, sometimes it does work. You know, they've been mixing it up. They've been signing players. Like, so many players from all over the world, haven't they? You know, but it seems to be clicking at the moment. Um... I think for Watford fans, if they were to lose silver at this stage of the season, the way they're going, I think they can push for the European places. Evens, Watford, this weekend. That's tempting. Got to be. Yeah, Very tempting. yeah I think I'd go for a home win. And speaking of tempting, South Coast Derby on Sunday. Brighton, 11-5 to at home to Southampton. You've heard me say many times that I simply don't trust this Southampton side. I don't think they score enough goals. The defence is sound, but I Never go out of my way to back them. They're a five to four shot. Brighton, we've said before, their home record will be in- integral to them staying in the league. And they've had a couple of big results at home, haven't they? Um, you know, they, I think they've, I think they've won two games now in, at the Amex, and uh, as you said, that that is going to be what keeps them up. I said more than two to one for Brighton to win this game is an incredible price and, given Southampton's failings so far. And Brighton season. will be confident after that win at West Ham. They will. Very as poor as West Ham were, Brighton were very good. Glenn Murray got off the mark. I think he's a big player for them. Experienced in this league, not many of their players are. But if they can sort of continue where they left off last weekend, I, I fancy them this weekend. David Unsworth heads to Leicester with Everton. A new man in the Leicester dugout, Claude Puel. Southampton manager last season. He's in at the King Power. What do you make of that? Quite a left field a little bit, yeah, didn't I'm it? I think when, when Craig Shakespeare um, got the sack and we sort of looked at the odds for uh, the next Leicester manager, he was he was nowhere to be seen. Right. And then uh, all, you know, all of a sudden we get we get the we get the reports that um, he's been he's been considered, he's been spoken to, and the next thing you know he's in the dugout. I, yeah, I'm with Liam. I'm a little bit surprised by it. Not, not convinced whatsoever. Didn't do a horrendous job at Southampton, but you know, got to League Cup final. He did, he did, and but and I think following on from the the bosses Saints had had the the job um, Maurizio Pellegrino did before going to Pochettino. Sorry, that that's me getting their current boss. <laughs> Maurizio Pochettino did uh, before going to Tottenham, and obviously Ronald Koeman before going to Everton. Um, I think. Puel's team was probably a little bit disappointing for Southampton fans, so um, yeah, bit of a surprise. But you know, he's got it all to prove. A lot of Leicester fans on social media haven't taken to the appointment particularly well. I know they didn't with Ranieri, but I think they're expecting a bit more, um, bit of a bigger name. I know Ancelotti was one of the names linked at the start, so I think they'll probably be a bit disappointed with that. It's a bit underwhelming, isn't it? I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, Eleven to ten, Leicester at home. Everton twelve to five. The draw twelve to five. Liam, ten pound on an away win. 
Absolutely. Um, I think Everton need a result. You know, there were some signs of encouragement, like I said, on Wednesday night, but they need a result. They need to start climbing the table because the longer it goes on, the down there, they will find themselves in trouble. I think it'll be interesting to see how Leicester reacts. You know, they've got a couple of wins under Michael Appleton and a new manager bounce usually works in size favour. But I wouldn't be surprised if Everton got something. They went to the King Power and won last season, so hopefully it'll be a repeat. And Monday night, Newcastle at Burnley. Um, Newcastle for sale. Rafa Benitez doing really good work there. Um, they look they'll be well safe of relegation this season, pushing towards that top half. It seems. Burnley, you get what you get from short nights, don't you? We all know exactly how they're going to line up and play. They're going to give hundred percent, ten percent, bodies on the line. But they actually play a decent bit of football as well now, as well as being able to go direct up to Chris, Chris Wood. How do we see that panning out at Turf Moor? Quite. Um, I mean, for the for the sort of casual fan tuning on TV, it's probably not one that gets the pulse racing. But I think it's quite an intriguing game in that both sides on their day are very effective Premier League teams, and if they both play to to their potential, it should be should be a good. A good fixture. I think uh, you'd have to give Burnley the edge just because they're at home. The home record they've had under Sean Dyche has been incredible. Um, interesting just, you say that. Newcastle have the edge with bookmakers. Oh well, that's interesting because I wouldn't have said that. Um, like you say, you know, they, they have Burnley have started mixing it up a bit now, playing a good bit of football. Um, as well as their home record, they've gone to Anfield, they've gone to uh, Stamford Bridge and, and got results as well. So um, no, if if Burnley are a decent price, then. Uh, I'll be looking at that. seven to four on the hosts, uh, thirty-one to twenty on the away side, eleven to five for draw, nil-nil, fifteen to two. Could be worth, could be worth it. Two pound on that one, I think. Just two pound? Yeah. yeah. Not okay. too much money. <laughs> so that's all from us this week. Um, Enjoy the football, I guess, is all that's left for me to say. James, thank you. Liam, thank you. Anything else you'd like to add? Or I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's all for us. Yeah. All right, folks, we'll catch you next week.